Ephesians chapter 4. And uh, to be honest, when I was getting this message up, I was supposed to teach Sunday school in our class this morning. I hadn't even looked at our Sunday school lesson, but it just kind of all fit together. And, you know, it's amazing sometimes when God gives you revelation and and everything just kind of fits like a glove. So we hope that I'll be able to convey what the Lord has conveyed to me. Amen. Ephesians chapter 4. Verse, verse number one through three, we're going to read. It says, I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called, with all lowliness and meekness, with, with long suffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. I want to preach here a little while here this morning about the value of the called the value of the called. I want us to bow our heads once again and ask the Lord to minister here. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I love you, Jesus, Lord, and I know, God, Lord, that, God, Lord, that you want to minister to your people, God, Lord, and your word is powerful, Lord. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. Pray, God, Lord, that your word would go have free course in our life, Lord, that you would minister and touch, Lord, each and every individual here this morning, God, Lord. We're your people called by your name, God, Lord. We want to be worthy of your vocation, Lord. We want to be worthy, Lord, saints, God. I pray, God, Lord, that you would help us to do those things. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. I want to talk about something today that applies to all of us. But the lack of any emphasis put on it is really kind of startling, I guess you could say. In fact, we probably don't hear too often the subject preached about. But yet, as we analyze in Scripture, it's more, it's important, it's more important, one could say, than it's the key to everything. And you want more of God in your life, and this is the key, I believe. How many want more of God's grace and strength in their life? I, I would dare say each and every one of us would raise our hand on that. How many would you want to live more of a peaceful, happy life on a daily basis? Because I know a lot of Christians in our world today, we have agitations, discomforts, and I believe that each and every one of us, that this is the key to that. It's the key to everything. And I, I could honestly say when I was reading this passage, I'm the Lord kind of revealed some things to me, and, um, you know, I could say it's probably as essential to love as the uh, fruits of the Spirit, as love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, all those fruits, but it's rarely mentioned even in our world today because our world wants nothing to do with it. Our world tells us to be great, do great and mighty things, but I believe it's not a negative subject that we're going to be talking about here this morning, but it's a positive subject. And we look at Paul, he's writing to the church in Ephesians. He gets through the doctrinal part of the letter, which is the usual format that Paul does. And he talks about the doctrine of who Christ is and what Christ Christ has done and how do we become Christians. And then he, when he's done with that, then he applies that. He gives a practical application. How many of you know that you can't live on theology alone? You've got to have, you've got to let that theology affect your life. You've got to have practical application. And he says in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 and 2, as a prisoner for the Lord, what what does that mean? And we talked a little bit about in in my Sunday school class here this morning. He's in prison right now. He's 
he's one of the, this is one of the uh, prison epistles, and he says he's a prisoner for the Lord. He's in jail because of Jesus. He's being persecuted, arrested, false charges, false accusations. And um, even here this morning, I took a, uh, a little outline out of my Sunday school book because I believe it kind of gives a, a great testament. It says when Paul, Paul talked about his relationship with God, he declared himself as a prisoner. Why did he declare himself as a prisoner? Because he could use this analogy because he was writing from a prison cell. Because I believe each and every one of us, we're going to be captive by one thing. We're either going to be captive by our flesh, by our sinful habits, or we're going to be, be captive by the, the living God, by Christ dwelling inside of us. And sometimes our circumstances are, bene are the benefit for someone else. You know, a lot of times we don't want to go through circumstances. We don't want to go through hardships. But, you know, sometimes those can benefit others because we are all living testimony. Paul was a prisoner for the benefit of the Gentiles. And some of Paul's greatest letters to the churches came while he was sitting in a prison cell unable to leave. How, Paul, how can you be, how can you do a great and mighty work for the kingdom of God? How can you, you know, how can you let the Lord use you mightily behind a prison cell? And one of Paul's greatest testimonies is that he faithfully served God when it wasn't convenient. He faithfully served God when it wasn't convenient. We live in a convenient generation today. Everything's at our fingertips, resources, everything that we want. We're, it's made to be comfortable, made to be convenient. Being a prisoner gave him an opportunity to share the gospel with people he would never have met. You know, Lord, why do you put me in a prison? Why am I having to go through these things? You know, that's natural questions that we would probably ask. Every, each and every one of us would ask, you know, why am I going through these situations? Why am I going through these trying times? But, you know, God doesn't look at it through our own fleshly eyes. He looks at it to glorify his Father, which is in heaven. And that's why we have to be as saints. We can't look at it as, you know, why am I going through these things? But I want all glory to God. And so... We look at it, as Paul says, that I'm writing to you, and since God has pulled you out of the sin, out of condemnation, out of fear of death, you know, we're, we're, to, we're to let our lives be glorified. We're to let our lives be an example to Christ. Amen. Since you bear his name, you're called Christian. Since you're identified with him, we all know this, the verse of Scripture where it talks about in John 3, 16, that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, and and, you know, we can identify that, and, and, you know, we like to quote that scripture, but Paul, Paul is saying, now I'm urging you to live a life worthy of your calling. I want you to just kind of stay with me because I'm getting somewhere here this morning. And notice that the Christian process, it's not a life in order to become a Christian. That, that's kind of legalism. It's that you receive the gift freely from God. Salvation is a freely gift from the Lord. He paid the price. And now that your sins have been forgiven, when you take on and you, you go through that death, burial, and resurrection, and you let, you, you, you're buried in your sins and you're, you repent of your sins and you, you're resurrected and you're, uh, you let Christ manifest inside you, he does a great work inside each and every one of us. Amen. And all of us can testify to that even here this morning, that we're, we're thankful for the great work that God's done in us and, and what God's doing for us and to us. And so Paul urges that Christians to live a life worthy in keeping with your calling who you belong to. Don't, don't live off in left field. And oftentimes we, 
sometimes if we don't watch ourselves, we can get in that same habit. We can get off in daydream world. We can live off in left field. We got to be like a soldier. You think about those soldiers when they go into boot camp, and I've I've, I've had friends, I've had family members that's went in there, and there's a, you know, there's a select people, select amount of people that goes in those boot camps. And the first thing they do when they get in the boot camp is, you know, first of all, you're going to get a haircut. They're going to cut. If you got whatever kind of haircut he is, you're all going to have the same type haircut. Secondly, what they're going to do is they're going to teach you how to shine shoes. You think about shining shoes, you know, how, you know, uh, how great is that? But what they're trying to do is... In, and uh, put discipline inside you, that you're to walk that way, that you're to talk that way. You think about those soldiers, and I know our, our military is not, where it, uh, is not what it once was, and there's things that's went on, and of course I was talking to Brother Sanders Wednesday night, and, and, uh, but, but yet, you know, the military preaches at discipline. You know, you're to say yes ma'am, no ma'am, you're to open the door, common things that you would think that uh, courtesies. You're to pull out a chair for, you know, uh, women. You don't. You're not to be eating uh, with your hands all over the table, and you're to be on a on a different level. And now Paul's saying that you're a Christian now by the grace that He saved you and changed you. You're now to live a life worthy of that calling. You can't live opposite to it. Jesus, you know, we call Jesus our Savior, and if He's our Savior, we're, we have to live a life. That, that shows him being our Savior. And how many of you are thankful for him being our Savior even here this morning? Amen. Amen. And so we're called to be a Christian, to live like him, not to live opposite. And then out of nowhere, Paul says, when we look in this verse of Scripture, it says in verse number 2, with all lowliness and meekness, with long-suffering, forbearing one another in love. You notice the first thing he says is to be completely humble. The King James Version says, with all lowliness, the modern translation says, not just humble, but completely humble and gentle, which would proceed out of humility. That word is mentioned in every single letter that Paul writes. He talks about humility, remembering walking with all lowliness, remembering how Jesus... He lived the most, he was the most humble person that ever lived, and he was the son of God. It's also important because humility, what's humility the opposite of? Pride. And pride in the Bible is the root of all evil because pride manifests itself in selfishness, which is the root of sin. I want my way because it's my way, and I don't care what God says, what God's desires are. My desires are greater than God's. That's the, that's the world we live in today. Amen. My plans for my life supersedes his. I don't want to yield and humble myself to anything. Now, pride, the Bible tells us, is what changed Lucifer, one of the most beautiful of God's angelic beings, into Satan. And his heart was lifted up with pride. All of us know that story. We're familiar with it. Pride is, is subtle. When there's, you know, you look at that particular story and there, there was no one to tempt him. There was no temptation. And pride can be subtle. It can be gradual, whether you realize it or not. How evil is pride that his heart was lifted up and God cast him down and condemned him as the enemy of God. He became the enemy of all God's creations, especially Christians. And it was pride. Thus, pride holds 
a special place in the Bible that nothing else holds. For the Bible says God doesn't resist. He doesn't resist the, the alcoholic. He doesn't resist the drug addict. He doesn't resist the, the liar. Who does God resist? He resists the proud. Amen. In fact, pride is so unacceptable to God that it, the word means God to set himself as an army general and marshals all forces behind him to take down the one who is full of pride. You look at Proverbs 18 and 12, it says, Before the destruction, the heart of man is haughty, and before honor is humility. Pride is the root of everything that God is against. Pride blocks us from every blessing of God, every grace of God, because humility is the opposite. Humility is the chief virtue. If pride is the root of all evil, Humility is the chief virtue. It's the only channel he can use, humility. The minute pride comes in, God himself is blocked because it's his nature to resist the proud, as we said a while ago, proud thoughts, proud attitudes. Pride is so gradual, it is so subtle that it can be everywhere. It can be in what you've achieved. It can be how you look, how much money you have, how smart you are what degrees you have, if you fill in the blanks. It can come right into, spiritual, into your own spirituality. You can become prouder because you know more of the Bible than somebody else. It can come on a preacher. It can come on a musician, on a lead singer. You name it, it can come on them. Pride can feed on anything. You can, you can not hardly have two dimes to your name, and all of a sudden God bless you with a job, and pride can, can come on you. It really makes no sense when God gave you the job to begin with. The first thing Paul says is for the unity of the church, and that's the same passage of endeavoring to maintain the unity and the spirit and the bond of peace. There's always going to be peace when humility, when we're walking in humility. Pride comes in and all dissension and fighting comes in. You see that even amongst our world today. There's so much pride, so much hatred, so much fighting going on. And why? Because pride makes us say things as, why did you step on my foot? Why did she get the solo? Why are they in that position? You, you name it, you can put it on there. That's the face of pride. Even pride in our culture, pride in our race, you know, of who we are, our gender. You know, nobody chose those things. God chose each and every one of those things, but yet we get prideful in those areas. The world today gets prideful in those areas. I believe when getting this message up here, uh, I mean, I, I, I have no shadow of a doubt that the Lord was, was stirring. Amen. Now someone's pride gets injured when we, try to, when we try to give Scripture back to them. And so, so Paul says, you've got to live a life worthy of the one who saved you to be completely humble. Not just humble, but completely humble. So what is humble? I heard somebody say, make a comment one time that, that it, I can't define humble, but if you think you're humble, you're not. And that's probably, a good, um, that's probably a good saying. And most people think the main cause for humility is our sin. And that's not, I don't believe that's correct. I believe there's a stronger cause for humility. But Jesus was the most humble, and he had no sin. He had no sin. And so people say, why should we be humble? Why? Should we have, you know, we be humble only because we've messed up before the Lord? 
the God, and I believe that when you, when you mess up before the Lord, that there's a sense of humility that comes in, but Jesus is the great example of humility. The Bible tells us of being nothing so that God the Father could be everything. That sense of emptiness that looks to God for everything, that gives him all the glory. He gets everything. It needs only from the Lord. It's not self Dependent on any way. I want to I re- reiterate that statement. He's not self-dependent in any way because we live in a generation that pr- promotes self-independence, that promotes, you know, self-exaltation. Like I was saying earlier, then you have all these resources, and you can say, but Brother Chad, you're being extreme. But, you know, you look at what Jesus said, that I can do nothing of myself. And those words, they're not my words, but they're the Father. God had a purpose and a plan, and we have a purpose and a plan that he has for our lives as well. And we're to give him all glory. All attention goes to him. Amen. When we're walking in humility, we, we, we can't give our name, but we must give glory to God and God alone. Only humility can do that. And so Paul says, look at Jesus. How can you walk contrary to the one that you're singing about? How can you walk contrary to the one you're preaching about? How can you walk contrary to the one... You're worshiping about. He calls us to follow him with the most outstanding, distinguishing trait is his humility. When I look at the attributes of God and I look at the humility of God, that's, that's one thing that sticks out. I mean, you can't help but to see God's humility. First of all, the Bible says that he humbled himself to leave heaven, to leave heaven and come into a human body so that people would spit on him. He humbled himself. He lowered himself. Philippians 2 tells us that he humbled himself so that he would die for us on a cross. And we sing about that blood so many times. You know, the blood's made. You know what? When we talk about and we're singing about the blood, you know what made that blood possible? That's humility. He could have called 10,000 angels down, but he humbled himself when they were yelling and screaming at him. False accusation, lies, all sorts of mischief, and he didn't open his mouth not once. You know how hard that is? <laughs> I mean, you know how hard that is. Because we as people, we want justice now. We want, we want vengeance now. We like to take that scripture, instead of vengeance is mine, thus saith the Lord, we like to say vengeance is mine Thus saith Chad Kirkland, because each and every one of us, we have people, the individuals that we deal with that are hard. We have injustices that get up underneath our fingertips. It feels like it just, we cannot get away from it. Brother Philip was praying, even on, told us to come up in our prayer uh, revival Tuesday night if we had some people that had been uh, getting to us and, and, uh, you know, I just want to encourage you that to look, look to Christ, not to look at your situation. True humility, he says, I'm the one who serves. Even at the Last Supper, he didn't say, guys, I'm going to go to the cross for you. I'm gonna, you, know, you don't even realize what I'm going to do for you, that I'm going to, you know, will you please go ahead and wash my feet because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pay the ultimate price. No, what, what kind of, you know, what did he do? He washed Judas's feet. You know, what kind of person kneels down and washes the feet? Somebody that's going to portray him. I'll tell you what kind of person does that. A merciful Savior. 
He's the lion of the tribe of Judah, but when he was on the earth, how did they identify him? The lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. You know, I, I learned something uh, a couple years ago when looking at sheep, and unlike pigs or other animals that's trying to be killed, that make noise and try to do everything they can when they're trying to be killed, that lamb would just watch them slaughter, hardly making a noise. He just looks at them right in the eyes as, he's slitting, as they're slitting his throat. And that's who Jesus was. He humbled himself all the way to the cross as a lamb to the slaughter. All of us, we've heard that passage of Scripture, and he didn't open his mouth for us. He gave all the glory to God, always taking the low position. He taught us even when we go to the banquet that we're not to take the front seat so everybody can notice, but we're to take the back seat. You know, all promotion comes from the Lord. You know, sometimes individuals can promote themselves, but true promotion comes from the Lord, and that goes to show us where our heart and our relationship he is. And Jesus, basically, when he was here on the earth, he said, don't tell anyone when he done miracles, just give God glory, just give God honor. And we live in a generation that's so totally opposite from that because when something takes place, we want to, we want to you know, post it and do things. And I'm not, trying to, I'm not trying to say not post things. What I am trying to say is, is we have to look at the humility of Christ and we have to look at our own lives and measure up. Paul is saying, if you're going to follow him, you're going to have, and you're going to have your name connected to him, please be in sync with his walk, to walk worthy. If you're going to walk around saying you're a Christian, walk worthy. Don't be proud as a peacock. Don't go, go off on everybody judging everybody, getting upset, getting upset, kind of like a fuse that's already lit. It doesn't take much to get proud people off, right? Can anybody testify to that? doesn't take much to get a proud person off. You can offend them in just about any way possible. You can look at them the wrong way. You can shake their hand the wrong way. You can, uh, you can not speak to them, whatever it may be. What makes people prickly like that? It's all having to do with their pride. Always involved in comparing ourselves. Why wasn't I mentioned? Why wasn't I treated that right? The other one's the favorite. All these are manifestations of pride, including, including the things I've said. And I can even look to myself when I was getting this message, and there's been some prideful moments in my life that I'm ashamed of. And I believe the only reason we as Christians are here is by the grace and mercy of the Lord. But let's go a little further than that. The only reason we can live one day and still keep serving him and have the grace and the need for him is because of him. The way God made us is that we're not allowed to contain anything ourselves. We come in this world with nothing, and we're going to leave this world with nothing but our souls. And the, God has made salvation to be everything a gift, not only his initial gift of forgiveness and sin, but it's the gift of eternal life. We're trusting him every day for everything. You say, what do you mean by that, Brother Chad? Well, it tells us in Scripture, give us this day our daily bread. And what does he do? He supplies our needs. And it all comes down to him, totally being dependent on him. And so if you want to have a good channel, even here this morning, you've got to have humility. You've got to have the humility of Christ. If we do anything good, it came from God. It didn't come from any intellectual 
thing that we could add to. It didn't come from any material thing that we brought. The Bible tells us that every good gift comes from him. So we have no reason to walk around and, and to be proud and boastful because we're, our total dependence depends on him. Amen. I am nothing so he can be everything. I want to divert everything away from me so he can be everything. And I, as I was getting this message and I was praying even upstairs in my house, I, you know, I have, to, I have to say, you know, my heart probably, when I asked the Lord to search my heart, I, it probably there were some things probably hidden inside there. But, you know, it's amazing how God can take Scripture and he can reveal and give you a revelation Maybe things that you've read over and over and over again, but he gives you a fresh revelation. God will give you that love. You think about that boss that, you, that you're struggling with, that you're having issues with. The only way, the only channel he can send an answer is through humility because he resists the proud. You need strength for your journey. He can give you strength, but it has to come through someone that says, God, you alone, I'm nothing, and you, there." There is everything. And so, God, I put away my defense mechanisms. I put away my, uh, my, uh, my justifications. I put away asserting myself in any selfish way. I humble myself before God. And the Bible tells us that he will lift us up. And I, as I was getting this, I don't want to pick on him, but I, uh, Brother Jonathan, he had text, or he was uh, asking me about a schedule. And, and uh, you know, I kind of had a flashback. I went back and I was remembering when we was in the old building and, and me, and my, me and my wife, we was helping doing with uh, youth and all. And I remember Brother Jonathan getting up and teaching on a Friday night and him just getting started. And I remember him being nervous and he can probably, probably testify to this that, that uh, you know, that he felt like he was inadequate, that God, you know, he felt like he didn't have it all together for God to use. And, and you look where Brother Jonathan is today, and it's only by the grace and mercy. And I'm thankful to see Brother Jonathan how he's used, but it's because he's humbled himself, because he's submitted himself, and God has exalted him. And I'm not trying to put him on no pedestal, but I, you know, as I was getting this message here this morning, I was thinking back, you know, at some of the people, you think back at uh, Robert Fears and how the Lord's used him. Others, I could probably go on and see. Amen. God has a highly, highly exalted him and given him a name that is above every name that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue will f- confess that he is Lord. And why did God give him that name? Because he went down, he robed himself in flesh, died on the cross for you and me not saying a word just as a lamb. And I believe that's even the key to peace here this morning that most people are missing. We talked about it. Because God, the most humble person in the church, is the most beautiful person to him. God doesn't look, go by clothes. He doesn't go by, you know, how somebody's dressed. The Bible tells us that we're to clothe ourselves in humility. Every day, put it on like a cloak, coat. If we're not wearing humility, we're not in sync with the Lord. Jesus also said in Matthew eleven twenty nine, it says, Take my yoke upon you, Jesus said, and learn from me, for I am meek and lowly in heart. And notice, 
the end of it says, you will find rest for your soul. That's where you're going to find rest. You're going to find rest in humility. All the aggravation, all the frustration, all the anger, jealousy, all that proceeds out of wounded pride. We have a lot of that going on in our world today. And Jesus said, if you're going to learn from me, you're going to have to take up your cross. You're going to have to follow me. You're going to have to have... You're going to have to clothe yourself in humility. You don't have to defend yourself. You don't have to fight back. You don't have to advertise yourself. God fights your battles for you. We know that. We've heard that said so many times, but sometimes when we get in a, we get in a crossfire and we get, you know, we're getting back and forth in a war, you know, we want, we want to take matters into our own hands. When the Lord's sitting back waiting on us to say, Lord, I trust in you. I want you to take care of this situation. Because when you get down and you bend down on your knees and you pray and you ask the Lord, Lord, I want you to take this situation in your hand, humility brings about God's response, God's blessing, God's supply, and that's what brings about rest. And so even here today, you know, we look and we, we know that we can't, we can't in our own strength humble ourselves that's impossible. We, need only, we can only do it by the grace and the mercy of the Lord. We need the spirit of Jesus to make us humble. Even the lamb, as Jesus would, would, would be slain for the, uh, for the whole nation and the whole world, we need that same spirit to come into our house even here this morning to help us to completely be humble. Not just to be humble, but completely humble and gentle, esteeming one another better than ourselves, and that's a hard thing to do, but I believe that each and every one of us, God's calling us. He wants us to be, he wants us to be meek and lowly in spirit. I look at this passage of scripture, and I, you know, I have to be honest, I thought about, and I was talking to John Paul, even Wednesday night, I had to uh, help Brother John, Brother John was going to be out, and so I was the door greeter, and John Paul come back there, and I was listening the brother Patterson a little bit, and uh, we just got to talking, and I won't, I won't kind of go into all the details and all, but I got to talking about how his dad, brother Paul, how he inspired last Sunday morning his worship. He got up here, and he was worshiping the Lord, and I'm telling you, the Lord, I mean, I felt, I mean, I, <laughs> I just felt a, um, I mean, just a, just a humbleness and just an eagerness. I mean, I was so inspired by his worship. And I thought, you know, and I was talking to John Paul. John Paul, we were talking, and, you know, Brother Paul, nobody would ever pray to have Lou Gehrig's disease. But you know what, Brother Paul, you have touched more people since you've had that. You have inspired more people. And that's what it's about. It's not about looking at our situation. It's not about, like Paul, being in prison and looking and wanting to control everything about our lives. We're either going to be a prisoner of ourselves or we're going to be a prisoner for Christ. I feel this so much in my spirit here today that God's calling each and every one of us to stop looking at our situation, stop looking at what we're going through. It's for his glory. It's for his honor. It's for his power. I want us to all stand here this morning. Lord, 
We come to you here this morning, God, Lord. We know, God, Lord, that sometimes we want to control every situation. We want to control every avenue, God, Lord. We don't want to be uncomfortable people. We want to have complete control of our lives, God, Lord, but that's not where the peace comes from. The peace comes through the submission, Lord, just as a prisoner, God, Lord, through you, we want to be taken captive by you. We want our lives, God, Lord, not to be not to edify ourselves, God, Lord. I pray even here this morning, if there be any sense of selfishness, any sense of pride among any of us, including myself all the way down to the door greeter, I pray, God, Lord, that you would work and minister. God, because we know, Lord, we're nothing. We're an empty vessel for you to pour into and pour out. And I pray, God, Lord, that you would pour into some individuals here this morning. Just as you revealed to me last night in that, in that upper room in my house, I pray these things, Lord. I love my brothers and sisters. I'm thankful, God, Lord, for what you've given us, Lord, but help us to never be proudful. Help us to never boast. Help us to work in the unity of the body and then of the spirit. we got to be unified. We live in a world that's full of division, full of hate full of pride, full of selfish ways and deceit. I pray, God, Lord, Lord, you would sweep this house. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, we pray. I want to open these altars up and invite you to come.